I'm just up here directing my kids from the stage. <laughs> Y'all catch that. Welcome to church this morning. We're excited to come together and worship God this morning. Um, excited to let you know that the nursery is open and staffed. Um, we've been working on that since October, and good things take time. We did nursery training this week, and it was a joy. I'm telling you, I came home from nursery training yesterday, and I was like, it was awesome. The level of engagement, the level of talking, and just let me tell you, the, the babies in the nursery, the goal is to know them, is to help them develop their pincer grasp, to help them to um, pull up, to, to help them get to those milestones and celebrate with them, and to have them feel Jesus in the room. So super excited about nursery ministry. Um, the family room is also open to um, families. And if kiddos, I always had some kiddos who were just like, nursery? I don't think so. <laughs> Mama. And so that's a great space. <laughs> or daddy, right? That's a great space for families. Um, yeah. So I'm just feeling the love from heaven this morning. Uh, and I'm excited to enter in to his presence. Amen. Stand with me this morning, church. As I was driving here, I had a scripture that I had. Whoever sits in the passenger seat while I'm driving becomes my administrator. <laughs> and I usually hand them my phone and I say, text this person, make the phone call to this person, look up something, Google this, Google that. And today, I couldn't remember where the scripture was when it's Jesus talking about his peace that he gives us. And I said, Google that. It was John 14. And it's John 14, 27. It says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And I just had this sense of peace over this morning. Peace in our hearts, peace in our worship, peace in our conversations, peace in our relationships. Just a spirit of peace from him and him alone. Yeah, peace in the nursery. Just a spirit of peace on this campus and everyone's heart and in the church, which is us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to do a call to worship here this morning. You don't have to read this with me. It's out of Psalm 95. It says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We come before you, Lord. We thank you for the spirit of peace that permeates in our life because of you. So, Father, we come before you to worship you, to turn our eyes to you, to gaze upon you, to worship you, to glorify you. We do this in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's worship. 
dismiss us uh, to get our elements for communion, and Pastor Andy's going to come up and lead us in communion. This morning, as we partake of the body and the blood of Jesus, um, we're going to partake of it here and now with ourselves as we are right here and right now. And what that means is, is there's a, a book on my nightstand of Catherine Coleman and the dust jackets on it. And there she is, you know, looking up at heaven. And this morning I was sitting on my bed and I looked over at the book and in my spirit, I heard, okay, um, during nursery training, I, I was doing nursery training. I was teaching them, you say what you want them to say. That's how you train up a child. You say, yes, mommy. Good girl. Yeah, they say yes, mommy. You give them the words. So I, I look at the Catherine Coleman book. I'm just I look at it and I hear in my spirit, she is she, and I am me, and he loves she, and he loves me. <laughs> it's like this. The Holy Spirit just like gave me this Dr. Seuss thing, right? And I said it again. She is she, and I am me, and he loves she, and he loves me. And what I felt like the Lord was saying and is saying is that there's, there's comparison in the body where we look to the left and we look to the right. And there's two people that we compare ourselves to. We compare ourselves to she, or if you're a man, you, it may be more you compare yourselves to he, meaning the other him, the other her. Trust me, I know my pronouns. This is just little Dr. Seuss. The other person that you compare yourself to is this perfected version of you, okay? This version of you that you think you should be, that you could have been if only you hadn't, which you could have been if only you had finished college, or if only you had done this, that, or the other thing. This perfect version of you, the perfected version of you, if only you were more, again, like she, or more like he, or even more like Jesus, and what I want to say to you is that this morning, Jesus, he came and he died and he, he poured out his blood for you, okay? For you, the you that's standing here and now, the you that's right here, the you that's in your struggling with sin and the you that's standing on the mountaintop that you finally conquered that thing that Jesus walked with you through, the you that's here and now. This, per this perfected version of you that you're striving for, it's an idol, God has nothing to do with that. That's what you've built along with the enemy who likes to throw those little things at you of how you're not good enough. He has nothing to do with that. He loves you now. He knows where he's taking you. And where he's taking you is into the word. He's taking you higher and deeper in him. But he can't take you anywhere if you won't show up. The real you. So this morning as I release us to the communion tables, it's the real you. And leave at the altar the she's and the he's that you compare yourself to. And most of all, leave at the altar. And leave at the altar and repent and say, God, no, I don't want that version of me. You love me. And so I accept me and I trust you with me. Because he wants to commune with you this morning, the you today. The gluten-free is on the little plate in the middle, and um, the regular communion is double cup, so there's a cracker in the bottom and the juice on top. 
Um, if you want to come down the aisles and circle back around to your seat, hold on to your elements because Pastor Andy's going to come up and he's just going to lead us in communion today. This morning, Pastor Jason started off the uh, service talking about peace. And as we were worshiping during that last song, um, a couple verses came to mind regarding peace. And it was Isaiah 53, 5. It says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Ephesians 2.14, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the wall of separation. I'm going to go over to Philippians. Verse 6, Philippians 4, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through who? Christ Jesus, who was the chastisement for our peace. He is our peace. The blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus, his brokenness for us. He is our peace. It was for us to have peace with God so we could enter into the Holy of Holies and be with the most holy God, the most holy being. There was no one more holy than him. So as we partake this morning, before we do, take a moment and reflect on his peace. Does anybody need peace in here? I know I do. Anybody have anxiety that, or something that's been bothering them? I know I have. Let's reflect on Jesus. He is our peace. He himself is the Prince of Peace. Amen? So examine your heart. Be with him for a moment. Ask him to cleanse you of your sins. Ask him to be your peace. And then we'll come and partake together. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take and eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me let's partake Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us, for our peace, for our forgiveness of sins, for us being united with you through your death, to be one with you and the Father, 
in your peace. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us drink together. Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed for us to make us whiter than snow, to separate our sins as far as the east is from the west. We honor you, and we worship you, and we love you. You are our peace. Everybody say that. You are our peace, Jesus. You are my peace, Jesus. You are my peace. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to continue to worship, so please stand with us and let's enter into his presence. singing, Jesus, we love you. It's one voice, it's one body, one church, proclaiming in unity, Jesus, we love you. So this morning, church, we're going to participate in a little call and response with heaven. And as a church and as a body of believers together, we're going to speak something, three things. God has a call and response for us this morning. The three, your three parts are, Jesus, we receive your love. Jesus, we receive your peace. And Jesus, we love you. The God of heaven declares this morning, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have given you my son, and I have poured him out in body and blood because I have loved you, says the Lord. And we as a body of believers say, Jesus, we receive your love. We receive your love. And Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you. He calls us friends. He calls us his own, and he says, my peace I give unto you. And we say, Jesus, we receive your peace. Jesus, we receive your peace. And in response, Father, in response, God, to who you are, to Jesus, this morning we stand before you as one body and we say, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we, we love, love you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This morning... <clears throat> Part of our reading as a church family, if you're reading through the Bible with us, was out of 
Deuteronomy 30. I'm always amazed at this book of the Bible and the, the blessings and the curses and all the things, all the sacrifices, all the things that have to be done and have to be made. And here's the words. I want you to listen to these words. These were words in the Old Testament. <laughs> and yet we're in the New Testament now. But listen to this. For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it too far off. It is not in heaven that you would say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you shall say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God and walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. It was available to them. How much more so is it available to us? After the cross, after what Jesus did, the veil torn, the way, the path, the relationship directly to God himself is available to us, is available to us this morning because he loves us, because we have peace because of him, for he is good and he is faithful. Amen? Amen. We're going to transition to greeting time, but before we do just want to do something. And you know, sometimes I'm afraid to do stuff because I don't do, I mean, I'm just doing it. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it for every prayer request that, that's out there. Actually, no one has submitted a prayer request, but right now as a church family, we're just going to pray for the Rodneys because mm. tomorrow baby, baby girl's coming, okay? Kyle, we're going to lift them up. Yes. We're going to lift them up. It's going to be all joy Thank and you. all peace and all mm. rejoicing in heaven because yes. we rejoice with you. Yes. We love you guys. So just join with me. Thank We're just going to say a quick prayer. God, thank you. Thank you that you're the giver of babies. You're the builder up of families. God, and I thank you, God. We release right now your Holy Spirit into that place that Shelly will be. God, I thank you that you are the great physician. You are all wisdom and knowledge, all love and peace and protection and safety, Lord God, and that there will be great rejoicing tomorrow as as a little girl comes forth into this world, Lord God, to take ground for your kingdom. Yes, God, Lord. she's going to be a kingdom taker, breaker, maker for you, God. She's going to break down the kingdom of darkness. She's going to build up the kingdom of light. God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you in Jesus' name. I thank you for her life, Lord God. I thank you for her life, Lord God. And I thank you that your hand is upon her. Before her first breath, your hand is upon her. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father. I thank you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Well, that was unscripted. That was unscripted and that was prophetic. So hold on tight. Hold on tight, mom and dad. Because when you raise up kingdom makers, Amen. Is no joke. Is <laughs> no joke. 
you grow and you change and you stretch and you learn to love like Jesus and it breaks you. <laughs> it breaks down all the things and God builds you up. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. All right. Do we have a countdown climber for the break? Uh, countdown climber. <laughs> countdown timer. Countdown timer for the break today? It's eight minutes. Okay. Um, we're going to just take a minute. We're going to greet one another. Kids, kid corner. If this is your first time with us, on the back of the seats, there's a connection card. You can write down your name and your email. That lets me know that you were here, and I can pop you out an email this week that says welcome, gives you information. Those cards, your tithes, your offerings, they're going to come up front here. There's going to be buckets for offering mm -hmm. and for those cards. Those cards are also for prayer requests, praise reports. I asked about the countdown timer because we have a lot of announcements today, a lot of great right. stuff to talk about. Um, good things. So it says eight minutes. I may call to order. I may call your attention back up here in like five minutes. Um, don't, don't make me wrangle you too, too much. So love on one another, but know that we've got lots to talk about today. So it's going to be a little bit shorter of a, of a time to fellowship. Okay. okay? Let's go. All right, guys. Andy, I want to do the countdown in honor of your brother. Three, two, don't let me get to one. No, it's fine. In my house, it goes one, two, and I don't get to three, because if I get to three, something happens. I don't get there very often, so I don't really know what happens. I'd probably just like go in the corner or something. All right, church. Well, we have a lot of uh, great stuff to talk about. Um, I have already mentioned that the nursery is reopened. Uh, relaunched, and this has been a labor of love, literally. Um, Jason and I have just, it's like, we just had so much, well, I had just such enjoyment of prayerfully redoing the space. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, just praying over each thing that was done in there, over each kind of set of toys that was purchased, and all in a heart to honor babies and to honor this, the place that they're at in their life that God chose to bring up into the kingdom. They're learning stuff today. They're, we're, we're, we're sowing seed in them today um, to bring them up into their mission. Um, and it's just exciting. Nurse, like I said, nursery training was exciting. It was fun. Um, and someone had mentioned, someone had said, you know, I woke up this morning, was like, oh, nursery training. And afterwards, it kind of felt like, oh, there's an actual mission here. Like, I'm not just going to sit and my brain is going to vegetate while I babysit kids. Mm -mm. I was like, the bar is high. We're going to know these kids. We're going to pray for these kids. We're going to interact with these kids. And if, you know, if a child comes in and they're prone to pushing when they're excited, as a nursery team, week after week after week, you're going to communicate through the communication book, hey, working with so-and-so, or let's use working with baby Lila to stop pushing at the climber, um, this is what worked well. And then next week, the week two nursery worker is going to read that and be like, okay, we're working with baby Lila on pushing. Happens at the climber. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. And over the weeks, the parents are going to be amazed, like, hey, She's really doing better with self-control, and the whole nursery team is going to be like, high five, Holy Spirit, thank you. That's how nursery is being relaunched. We're, I, we're really 
growing these kids and partnering with parents. So that the nursery is open, baby zero to three years old. Drop-off is like around the corner um, from the main door, what used to be the main door. So it's around the corner. And pray for the nursery team. They're doing it. Um, and they're doing real ministry. Last thing I'll say about that is I looked at all of them and I said, my expectation is you go home on a Sunday tired. You should go home and need a nap because you've come and you've poured yourself out with baby zero to three. It's tiring. They are constant. They don't run out of energy. They won't need a nap. You will. So it's exciting. The nursery team is up for the challenge and let's keep them in prayer as a body. Um, next, worship and prayer night. Hey, we can come and pray for the, work, the nursery workers. Um, this Wednesday evening from 6.30 to 8, this happens once a month. So don't let it pass you by. It's not going to come around again um, until May. So 6.30 to 8, it's very loose, meaning you can come at 6.42 and leave at 8.05. You can come and walk and pray. You can come and sit up here and pray. You can come lay on the floor and pray and worship. You can worship loud. You can, I like, I always like to go in that corner and sing into the corner. Um, so you can, it's just your time to be with the Lord. And Sid and the worship team have been faithful to provide this opportunity, mostly because they just love to enter into the presence of the Lord and, and to make this opportunity for us as well to do that. So you are invited Wednesday, uh, April 6th, this Wednesday, 638 also. If you want prayer, this is the time to come. Um, an elder will always be in attendance. That is our goal, to always have an elder in attendance here. We will lay hands on you. We will anoint you with oil, and we will pray for the sick in accordance to God's word. So we are here. And uh, we want to pray with you. So if you need prayer, specific prayer, we're here. So that's this Wednesday. Next, on your seats, when you came in, we did what was called a seat drop. So if there's no one sitting in your row, then there's lots of them. If you want extras, they're there. There is this booklet. It's called Stations of the Cross. Um, we started this in 2020, and we did it online it will be being posted online again this year, um, each day, starting on Friday, April 8th. And it is one, one devotional a day. And on the front, it says, we delay the joy and celebration of the resurrection in order that we might remember and engage in Christ's sacrifice and journey to the cross. And I love, love, love this. Because the, the resurrection occurred. We live in the glory of it. We get to live it. We get to celebrate it every day. But when you take that moment and you very intentionally choose to meditate on the sacrifice, what it cost, what it cost, it really positions you for Easter Sunday really positions you for that. So this is a collection of reflections, scripture, and artwork um, that are meant to touch you, touch your heart, and, um, and just help you to reflect on that journey and that sacrifice. Um, on the back of this booklet um, are my last two announcements. Yes, yes. There is a Good Friday service on April 15th at 6.30 p.m. 
this service is a multi-church event, and it is being hosted at Erie First Assembly. Uh, Pastor Jason, <laughs> Pastor Jason, Pastor Andy, and myself, we are in heart-to-heart relationship with Nicole, with Pastor Nicole. Um, she is a lover of Jesus and a follower of the Holy Spirit, and there is unity. And then also with Matt and Jen Friend from New Beginnings Church, there is a unity growing, or I'm going to say continuing, um, continuing in Erie among the churches. And this is, it's, um, it blesses the heart of God. It pleases the heart of God when we come together as the big church, one church, and we come together um, and we worship him. So I encourage you to come out on Good Friday. It's the culmination when you wake up on Good Friday, it's the culmination of these, um, this week of really focusing in and on meditating on the cross. And Good Friday service is kind of the culmination of that. And then we get to celebrate, okay? We get to celebrate on Easter Sunday. That is here. That is at 10 a.m. Um, there might be coffee and refreshments afterwards, but I'm not sure yet, okay? I'm wor- that is my heart. I want to do it. I'm working on it. I even called Mighty Fine Donuts, but they're closed on Easter. So I've got some things in the works. Um, You might just get Jesus, and that would be enough, but you might get Jesus and some snacks. Um, So I'm working on that. But come, I just encourage you, let us step into this Easter season and just suck the life out of it. Suck the marrow out of the bones. Let's get all of what God has for us this Easter season and really press into him as a church. All right. There was a suggestion by someone sitting close to me that maybe you order them on Saturday and pick them up and maybe they'll still be fresh by Sunday morning. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying what was told to me as a suggestion by an, a fellow donut lover who <laughs> was sitting to my right because we are donut lovers. You know, we're lovers of Jesus first. It's going to be an amazing Easter service. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, I want to, can we just take a moment and pray uh, for Evelyn McCain? Uh, those, who, those who don't know Evelyn, wonderful, wonderful woman of God. Uh, she usually comes and sits either back there or back there uh, when she does come. But she was diagnosed with cancer, pretty aggressive cancer of the esophagus. has spread to her liver and her kidneys. Uh, and she is... She needs peace. Uh, she needs peace in her body uh, and for their family. And so I want to pray over them, Evelyn and her son Rich and their family, just for a minute. If we could just bow our heads and just pray for them today. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord. Father, you are the author of peace. You're the author of the ultimate healing, Father God. And so we just live, lift Evelyn up to you now, Lord. Father, you... We got to spend some time with her on Friday, and Lord, you know her heart. Her heart is for you. She is excited, looking forward to seeing you, Lord, and so we just pray for a peace upon her, upon that family, Lord, peace for her son, Rich, as he's coordinating all these things that are going on, Lord, and Father God, we just thank you that you are always working through every situation that we face in our life, and so we lift them up to you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We had, the, we had the pleasure, uh, Pastor Andy and I got the pleasure to spend some time with her on Friday and just hold her hand and pray for her and anoint her and 
kiss her, and her grip was strong. And she loves Jesus. Uh, she knows her destination. She knows her home uh, and where she's going. And she is just, she was, she's got questions, of course, as anybody would in that situation. But she just, I felt a peace as we were there and a peace as we left. And so just continue to pray for her. Uh, offering this morning, uh, Deuteronomy 28. I don't know if you guys notice this or not, but I try to pull, uh, not always the call to worship, but I try to pull offering scriptures out of stuff that we're reading through. If you're not reading with us the Bible in a year, there's some on the back table there and in the lobby. Uh, there's a way to read just the Old Testament with us or the New or do both. And it's really focused on Psalms and Proverbs over the weekends. Uh, but Deuteronomy 28 and I mentioned this earlier, is that whole chapter is about the blessings and then the curses. But, you know, the blessings is what we like to focus on because of who Jesus is. And we follow him with our whole hearts. And so these blessings are available to us. It says this starting in verse 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. All the work. The work of your parenting hand, your working hand, your plumbing hand, all the hands, all the work, all you do, he is there to bless it. And it says, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Hallelujah. You shall lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. It's our heart for this church as well. We want to see that mortgage paid off. Hallelujah. And we want to be a lender, not a borrower. Verse 13, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not belief. I love that. Above only. Like we don't spend time beneath because of him and who he is. We spend time above. 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 It says, if you heed the commands of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and be careful to observe them. So let's pray over our offering this morning. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father, for every gift, every giver, Lord, thank you, Lord, that you do open up your good treasure, Father God, of, from the heavens, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you make it rain, Lord, Father, that our, that our barns would be full and they would be overflowing, Father God. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you allow us and help us to not be the tail but the head and to be above and not beneath. And so, Father, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 2. This is going to be the last part of this part of the series on the spiritual disciplines of engagement. I think I told you before that we're doing spiritual disciplines of engagement. I'm going to take a break the next couple weeks for Good Friday, I mean for Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and we will eventually get to it, I'm not promising when, but the spiritual disciplines of abstinence, which is different, obviously, than the engagement. So the spiritual disciplines we've been talking about since the beginning of the year are those things that we do, and then at some point here in the near future, we're going to be talking about the things that God is calling us not to do, and that's the tough one. We all like to do stuff. We like, to, I mean, we're doers, right? We like to, oh, let's do, 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 but God also calls us a lot of times to abstain from things, to slow down. Anybody ever hear the word Sabbath? Yeah. Do you know that in the Old Testament, praise God, we're in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, they actually took out, like, took out those who didn't practice the Sabbath. And, we, and I think sometimes we forget, like, God gives us commands for our own good. 
He gives us things for our own good. And, and now we live in the New Testament, and he's not a legalist, and he is not all about religion. He's about a relationship, and we thank him for that. But there are things in our life that we need to understand and be able to go do. So I'm looking forward to entering into some of those things and talking about those. So this will be the last week on these spiritual disciplines of engagement. And I'm going to read through Acts chapter 2. We've been reading through this. This is the New Testament church. It's the first church that was started after the resurrection, and they're there, and, and the Bible begins to explain and talk to us about what did it look like. Because however it looked like, I want to be a church that models after what it looked like. And you say, well, come on, Pastor Jason, that was thousands of years ago. Yeah, but here we are thousands of years later, all of it still rings true. Now, one of these things are we to stop doing. And here's the interesting thing about the Bible. And I, I, I read a, we actually watched a video. And there's a very interesting thing, the difference between commands and traditions. Do you know what we're doing here is a tradition. A monologue sermon, three worship songs, a break for communion, a few announcements. Like if we would radically mix that up, people would be like, what is going on? But nowhere in the Bible does it give a cue sheet in an order of service and say, ye shall be commanded to run your church services in this way with a monologue sermon and doing all... It doesn't say that. And so how we do church has become a tradition. Not that traditions are bad, not there are things that we don't ascribe to, like we want to do these things, but there are certain commands in the Bible. And one of the commands that God has called us to is to go make disciples. It, to go make disciples. That wasn't an optional thing. That wasn't a thing for the... It doesn't say, hey, five-fold ministry. If you're a pastor, evangelist, teacher, you know, apostle or prophet, all these things, you go and make disciples, and everybody else just come on a Sunday morning and attend church, sneak in, sneak out, and don't be involved in anybody else's life. Can't find that here. It says, go and make disciples. All of you who are disciples are to go and make disciples. That, my friends, is a command. There's no tradition about that. That's not like an optional one. Eh, you know, I'd like to do that. Maybe I won't do it. I'm not sure. That's a command. Making disciples is a command. And a lot of these spiritual disciplines that we've been looking at, they're, he's God is telling us, these are what I want you to go do. It doesn't tell you specifically how to do them, and those things change over the course of time, right? They didn't have electric guitar when they were singing in the early church. But the Bible commands us to sing and to worship. It doesn't say we have to do it with an electric guitar, right? So there's a difference between these. So we can always go back to the Word of God and always look at this. And so here's what it said about the early church. It says, and they, starting in verse 42... Acts chapter 2. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, which was koinonia, which we had talked about, in the breaking of bread, fellowshipping together in homes and eating together. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today in a kind of a roundabout way. And in prayer, commands, we need to pray. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, they had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so continually, verse 46, daily, with one accord in the temple, 
and breaking bread house to house. Notice that. The church gathered as an early church in multiple locations. It gathered in the temple and it gathered in the home. It gathered as a large group and it gathered as a small group. And over the course of time and over history in the Western church, we have somehow felt like church is just a large group gathering that happens on a specific day, usually on a Sunday morning, somewhere between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And we have decided, like, this is, what, this is what the early church must have been doing. But it says that they both met collectively, but they also met in homes. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And here's what I, here's, I don't know, I mean, as I looked at this and I prayed about it, if you look at when the adding of the church daily came, it came, not only were they meeting here, but they were meeting home to home. There was relationship, there was discipleship happening. That is what was happening, and then the Lord added to the church. The, the church started with a 3,000 person ad. Boom. Right? That happened, boom, just like that. The Bible says it. Right there, they were preaching and 3,000 were added to them on day one, boom. And then it was like the Lord shows us in the Bible that then they began to meet and disciple one another and, and meet with each other and talk with one another and be involved in each other's lives. And then the Lord added daily, which meant every day someone was being added. Every day you have interaction with somebody. Every day you have an opportunity to, to talk with someone, to share your testimony, to, to help disciple someone, to your children who are right in front of you. Every day we have that opportunity. As we've said before, we are the church, not this building. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, well, maybe you'll come on Wednesday night, but then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, unless you came for nursery training, you're not here at this building every day of the week, but where are you? Wherever you are, you are the church. And so you're meeting one-on-one. -on -one. You're meeting in fellowship with one -on. You're meeting as a dad and as a mom, and you're talking with your kids, and you're, and you're just discipling all day. This is what the Lord has commanded us to go do, this rhythm of life. So the spiritual disciplines chart, we're going to throw that up there real quick. So these are all the ones that you see in those scriptures that we just read. There's giving, there's studying God's word, there's worship, there's church attendance, there's home fellowship, serving, breaking bread together, and praying. And so I'm going to kind of combine this breaking bread together and home fellowship, and I'm going to call it gathering. Because there's two types of gathering. There was a gathering in the temple, and then there's gathering here. Uh, in the homes. So last week we talked about discipleship. We kind of gave the model of what discipleship looked like. And we talked about in Matthew 28, and I kind of alluded to this scripture already, starting in verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Before he even commands us, not a tradition, but a command to go make disciples. He's making it very clear that all authority has been given to him. So our relationship to, with him is critical to be able to go and make disciples. Our relationship with him is critical. It's the first step. If you don't know Jesus, you're not a disciple. It's step one of the discipleship process. Is knowing Jesus in your heart. Then he says in verse 19, go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He was commanding his disciples to go. 
which means each and every one of you sitting here, everyone that hears my voice is commanded to go and to make disciples. Every one of you. So, Pastor Jason, I don't know if I'm making a disciple. Well, you probably are. Be encouraged. You're doing a lot of discipleship making that maybe you haven't traditionally thought of as disciple. As you're parenting your children, you are discipling them. Now, you may not be discipling them exactly the way God has intended to. We all have challenges and we make mistakes and stuff like that. But you're discipling them. With your friends, as you have friendships with others, you're discipling, and they're discipling you, and it's a back-and-forth relationship. So I think a lot of times we think of, like, oh, I need to go to the grocery store. Holy Spirit, show me which person I've never met before in my life that I need to disciple. I'm sensing aisle four. You know, run. Now, look, God may do this for you. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. And those who are evangelists, God bless them. I do believe that God says, go to aisle four in Wegmans and go witness to that person. And they do it and they become saved. Hallelujah. But I'm talking about discipleship here. And discipleship is relationship. If you look how Jesus discipled his disciples, it was through relationship. He walked with them. He talked with them. He ate with them. He didn't just get up and preach to them every Tuesday night and give them a sermon. That's not how he discipled. Those large gatherings were set apart for healing, for big teaching to the whole congregation. But it was a different environment. It was a different type of thing that was happening. But the true discipleship was happening person to person. So teaching them, observing all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Starts with Jesus. He commands us to do this. And thank goodness Jesus reminds us, hey, I'm with you. I'm here for you. Don't panic. Don't worry. I know Pastor Jason said, go make disciples. What am I supposed to go do next? The Lord will lead you. The Lord will guide you in it. And I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of what is the thing we go do next. Turn with me to Hebrews 10. I'm going to start in verse 19. And I want you guys to understand something. I'm going to talk a little bit about the church vision here in a minute. But I want you to understand that we, as a leadership team, do not see success as a large building, as a great staff, as an amazing kids' ministry, or whatever it is that God calls us to do in kind of what you can see. But success for us as a leadership team is making disciples and seeing disciples be made and seeing a disciple then begin to disciple someone else, begin to disciple someone else. Because if you understand anything about multiplication, do you know how fast it begins to multiply? And if it was just up to just the leadership team and we were the ones responsible to disciple all of you, you know how well we would do that? Really badly. Really badly. Because everyone's got stuff. You can't go and disciple 100 people. Look at Jesus. Fully man, fully God. How many disciples did he really have? He had the 70, then he had a 12, and then he had three. This dude wasn't married and had no kids, and he was only working on three and 12 people. So don't get overwhelmed like you got to go reach all of Erie County all by yourself. This is all about who has God placed in your life who is right in front of you that God is leading to you have a relationship with. So why do we gather? Starting in Hebrews 10, verse 19. It says, Therefore, brethren, 
having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Let's just stop right there. Come on, church. Why do we gather? Because of Jesus. We gather because of what he did for us. We gather because, I mean, think about the persecuted church all around the world. They risk their lives to go to church. Are you, real, are you guys willing to risk your life to go to church? Don't answer that. Think about that for a little bit. It's snowing. Psh, I ain't going to go to church. Some, I don't want to go to church sometimes when it's snowing. But I got to be here. Right? And so it's, it's just really like a heart reflection. Like, Lord, there are pl- they are so committed to the gathering of the church, they're willing to risk their life to sneak in the back door of a basement and to, under darkness, with no lights on, taking one piece of the Bible, one page each, and they just read the Bible to each other and fellowship with one another and encourage one another. And guess what? The Lord is adding to them daily. But my concern with the Western church, not just us, but I'm saying the Western church, is we, we have this picture that church is just, ah, just a Sunday morning. Come and go as I want. Maybe I make it, maybe I don't. There are people who are risking their life to go to church because they believe in it so much. And I want us as a church to believe in it so much because it's so important because God commands us to do it, both in the temple and house to house. And church, do we actually think, look out, Lord's not in the notes, do we actually think that 15 and 20 years from now we will be able to do this as freely as we do it today? Based on what I read and when the Lord is coming back and during the Lord's return, the church will be persecuted. The church is currently being persecuted all across the world. And do we think it's not going to eventually come here? Well, United States, we were founded on godly principles, and so persecution of the church will never come to us. Wrong. And so the Bible commands us to not only just meet collectively as a group, but to have friendships and relationships and meet in homes and disciple one another so that when they come and they try to put a lock on this door and they shut down the internet and you can't hear me talking or Pastor Liz talking anymore, you know exactly what to do. They can't stop me from gathering with my church because I know exactly where we meet. We meet on this on 32nd Street at Friday night at 10 p.m. or at 8 p.m. whenever you, you meet with your fellowship. You understand, guys, we, if we think that that's coming and we believe that, that it is as a leadership team at some point in the future, to do nothing different today, you would be like, You're, that's the worst leadership I've ever seen in my life. If you understood what was going to come, and you had a leader who was here and says, well, I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to keep walking as we always have. I'm going to keep doing as we always did. And whatever we used to do, I'm just going to do it exactly that way again. You'd be like, well, we don't obviously need you because we're already doing those things. So you're not leading us anywhere. We're just staying, we're standing still. And I believe God has called us as leaders to reveal to this church in this area, one church, one city, that God is calling us to be in a community, calling us to be in a church family, calling us to meet in homes, calling us to meet and disciple one another and to engage with one another in each other's lives. This is what God is calling us to. This is what the early church did. Verse 20. Whew, that was a total side note there. 
and by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Man. When he died on that cross, that veil was boom. Earthquake time, baby. Boom. Broken. Verse 21, and having the high priest over the house of God, we gather to worship Jesus. We gather to worship. The question was, why do we gather? We gather, number one, we gather to worship Jesus. You can do that in a corporate setting. You can do that in a small setting. The Bible says when two or more are gathered there together, he is there in our midst. Which means you can have a church service with two people. You say, but I don't, I don't know how to give a message. Who said you had to give a message? Open up. The, here's the message, guys. Here's the message. It's right in front of you. They can't take this from you. We hide the word in our hearts. Even if they try to take this or destroy the phones and don't have access to it, God has still placed it in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of the things that we've already read, the things we need to know when we need to know them. So you all can have a church service, the two of you, on the street corner, wherever you might be, and you run into someone, you can have a church. You can encourage one another. You can pray for one another. That's church happening. If you are the church, when two of you get together, God's with you, you're having a church service. We have to get rid of this thought as it's only the Sunday morning or Saturday. I want us to get rid of that. That's not what church is all about. We gather to worship Jesus. Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We gather to draw near to Jesus. We gather to draw near to Jesus. When we... When, when God shows up in this place, how many of you ever noticed when you came in here with an ache or pain in your body and church service starts to happen, how many of you don't even know that there's an ache or pain in your body? Come on, church. This morning, me, my shoulder's been hurting from going to this eye rock and do this ridiculous workout that absolutely messes up my whole body. I'm sore for days. I can barely even, like, people see me at the Rose Center like walking up the steps to my office. I'm like, oh, like why does it happen? But honestly, I woke up that way when I showed up at church and we began to worship God. We began to draw near to Jesus. I have not have a pain in my body. That doesn't mean it's not going to maybe be there when I leave because there's a natural thing like, Jason, you just beat yourself up. Of course you're going to be sore. But honestly, in his presence, in his presence, I actually don't feel any pain. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to meet him. I can't wait to go to heaven. Imagine, no pain, no suffering, no sorrow, complete peace. Yes, Lord. But until then, we, we, we work on this together. We disciple one another. So we gather to draw near to Jesus. Verse 23. Hold on. Back up to verse 22. How do we draw near to him? That scripture shows us. We draw near to him with honesty and with faith. You can't just show up to a worship service, a church gathering, say, mm, I'm going to just draw near to Jesus now. 
God's asking for your heart. There's a participation factor on your end. Well, I don't like that song. Okay. I don't like the lighting. Okay. Those are preferences. But what is God speaking to you? What is he doing? He's asking you to be honest, to be true. Lord, I walked in with this. I've been making this, this idol of myself and all these perfection that I want to be. And it's been revealed to me. And he's looking for honesty in your heart. And then you move towards him in faith. And say, Jesus, I need you. I have faith in you because of who you are, who you said you would be, and that you will do what you said you were going to do. And so we gather to draw near to Jesus, but we have to do it with honesty, with this pure heart. And we have to do it in faith, knowing he is and will do what he said he will do. That's when growth happens in our life. That's why we gather together. And that can happen in a small environment. It can happen in a large environment. doesn't matter. You can draw close to Jesus. Verse 23. Then let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Come on, church. We gather to build hope. We have faith. Like, to build faith, we read the word, we listen to the word. There's ways that the Bible tells us to build faith. But we can build our hope when we come together and we gather together. Because I can say, Pastor Andy, man, I know you're going through this difficult time, but let me just encourage you with this. And you actually, in these relationships, you begin to build hope with one another. And we say, look, we put our hope in Jesus, amen. And we actually help people to turn their eyes off their situation and put it back on God. All of that happens in relationships. All that happens when people gather together. It's what the church is supposed to be. We need hope. You can't find it in the world. I've got like 250 channels. My gosh. I don't have any idea what's on 240 of them. I know the 10 sports channels. And even those don't give me any hope. They don't give me any hope. Because my hope can only come from him. And who he is, and what he says he will do, and what he will do. Amen? So we gather to build each other up, to build up our hopes, to share our testimonies, to see what God is doing in our lives. Verse 24. And then let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Woo! We gather to love one another. We gather not so we can figure out what's in it for us. We gather to come and say, Lord, how will you want to use me today when I gather with somebody else? And when we position ourselves in this posture of, Lord, use me, he ends up ministering to you eventually anyway. It's amazing that when we gather, we come to love one another, to build each other up, to encourage one another. So we gather to do this loving one another. Remember the one another's we talked about a couple weeks back. In verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. This is all about gathering. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, not us, of some, but exhorting one another in so much more as you see the day approaching. How many of you see the day approaching? 
you know what day he's talking about. <laughs> Not tomorrow. He's talking about the day. The day when Jesus returns. And they're encouraging us, now is the time to even gather more. Not less. More. Because we need each other so badly. We need to look. This is not easy for a lot of people. It's not easy for us. We're like, oh my gosh, how do I got to invite people over to my house? Ah! Right? It's like intimidating sometimes to think about it. But he, the Bible is telling us to gather more, to be together more as the day approaches, which means tomorrow we should be gathering more than we did today. And a week from now, we should be gathering more together than we did last week. You see what that's saying? It's like as the day approaches, we need to gather more, we need to disciple more, we need to talk more and be in more relationship with each other. We gather, the final we gather is to disciple one another. This is how discipleship happens. It's through relationship. It's through one another. It's through talking with someone. It's going out to coffee with them. It's through walking through a situation with them. It doesn't just happen by magic. It doesn't happen, really, doesn't really happen on a Sunday morning. Like I gave the analogy last week, you guys all called me a terrible father. When I would, if I, if I were to, you didn't actually call me that. I gave you the analogy. What I said was that what if my discipleship plan for my children was to sit them down on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. and give them a really solid biblical message? Like, ooh, Pastor Jason, that's good. I'm going to do that at my house. But then I told you at 8.30, after that message was over, I left the house and I wasn't a part of their life and I didn't show up and I came back the very next Tuesday night and says, hey guys, so good to see you, my kids, again. I'm just, we're doing a great job discipling you. This is fantastic. It's Tuesday night again. Let's listen to the next Bible story I'd like to share with you. You'd be like, Pastor Jason, what are you talking about? Your children need you to you on Wednesday morning. They had a challenge on Thursday. They got in a fight on school on Friday. They were sad on Saturday. They didn't know what to do on Sunday. And then Monday, they were just... I, I couldn't obey their parents for the life of them. They were having struggles and troubles and trials. And you mean you missed all of that. You didn't walk them through any of that. But you just showed up on a Tuesday. You see, guys, discipleship, parenting, these things take time. They take effort. They take this intentionality, but they take a relationship with one another. And we have to begin to do that more and more as we see the day approaching. I got a quick church vision slide we're going to throw up here. Ooh, that sounded bad. Throw it up. <laughs> we're going to look at the church vision slide, and we're going to get excited about it. And our, and our breakfasts are going to stay down. Uh, so this is, this is the, we've talked about this a lot. This is our logo. You see the cross, and you can't read it, but it says Route 90 going across, Route 79 coming down. And we've talked about this so many times. Is as a church, this is all biblical. We want to see the lost saved. We want to see the sick healed. We want to see lives transformed. We want to see families thriving. The only way any of that happens is through prayer. House of prayer. God calls us to be a house of prayer. Through participation. Cannot happen just with a few. It has to happen with everybody participating. And it happens with partnership. Just like we talk about partnering on this Good Friday service. We don't have to do all of it on our own. But here's what the Lord had revealed to us. Uh, this is probably two years ago. Is this, this, this word or this phrase of 100 by 20. 
100 by 20. And the Lord clearly show, he showed me when I was driving, and right where I was, says, the only way you will reach northwest Pennsylvania, the only way you will see growth in the church being added to daily if you begin to instill and put together 100 groups of people that are about 20 people each as you begin to reach northwest Pennsylvania. Because he said the word 100 by 20. I'm like, what is that? What are you even talking about? And what the Lord had revealed is that each one has to be reaching another one. Each one has to be reaching another one. That whole church vision that you saw, that happens as we gather as a church in the large group, but it actually happens as much, if not more so, when we are meeting together with other people. And we see the church of the future not being one that has a bigger and more expansive building and taking on more debt and doing more of this or more of that. But we see a church of the future that are meeting in homes and they're gathering together, families meeting together and discipling one another. And then collectively they come together and we worship Jesus as a large group. And then we go back and we begin to disciple one another again. In fact, I want to get across to you guys that your, your church gathering, I almost feel like it should be more heavily weighted in smaller settings versus the larger setting. I don't know what the right percentage is. It's probably different for every person. But I see us meeting more so outside of 5900 Starantania Road. And I believe that is the future of ECF. I believe that's the future of our church. It's how we're going to reach people. I believe, I'm telling you, I, think it's, I don't think the time of reaching people is just on a Sunday morning. It's just not, it's just not, if it would be, if that was the way, we'd be full. We've got a great Sunday morning service. God's presence is here. You can't walk in here and say God's presence is here. But you say there's still only 100 people in here. What's going on? Because I believe we have to meet together and disciple one another and meet people and understand and get relationships with one another. And then the Lord added daily those who were being saved. So what's our next steps? What do we take from this? Number one, we need to be a disciple maker. We have to commit to being a disciple maker. And as I phrase this, I'm not sure you'll remember that, but you'll remember this phrase, find a Timothy. Paul and Timothy in the Bible, Paul was kind of the discipler. Timothy was the one being discipled. And so each and every one of us, if you don't have a Timothy in your life, ask the Lord to reveal who that is to you. Parents, I can help you with your answer. You can see me after church if you didn't pick that up. How can we find, Lord, where is, show me, not walk around Wegmans looking in aisle four for that person, but who has God placed in your life? Who is right in front of you? This scripture, Acts 16, I'm going to read this quickly, verse one through five. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, talking about Paul, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed but his father was Greek. Verse 2. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Verse 3. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. Paul wanted him. He sought Timothy out. He said, Lord, there's this person who you put right in front of me. 
I want to take this guy alongside me for the journey. I want to walk with this person. I want to do life with this person. If you skip down to verse 5, verse 4 says they basically, they went through the cities, they delivered the decrees to, to, to the churches. Verse 5 says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Whoa. I thought that last scripture we talked about said it increased daily. It did. This is a different part of scripture. And again, it references disciple making, walking alongside each other, encouraging one another is how the church grows. It's like the secret sauce that like the, the Bible is showing us exactly how this works. You say, well, I can't, I, I don't know if I can do that. I have nothing special. Do you know Jesus? You got it. Period, end of story. You are special. You have a testimony. And you have the Holy Spirit if you've accepted Jesus. And so you will know what to say when you need to say it. So don't let fear stop you from going deeper into a relationship with someone else because you're concerned you may not be able to actually help them. You're not the one helping them anyway. <laughs> stop looking in the mirror. Get your eyes off yourself. I'm talking to myself now. Get your eyes off yourself. Come on. The Holy Spirit's on the inside of you. He's with you. He is for you. He will counsel you. He will guide you. He's the one who helps you disciple. Not a biblical degree. Not a theology degree. Not because you memorized 150 scriptures. Now I can go disciple. Uh-uh. Every one of you that knows Jesus can begin to disciple someone. Number two, you have to be discipled. You got to want to be discipled. Not just go find someone to disciple as the Lord leads you, but you actually have to want to be discipled. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know that God delivers wisdom in a lot of different ways? And a lot of times it's through relationship. It's through friendships, it's through bonds, it's through the word of God, it's through the Holy Spirit, it's through the Holy Spirit using someone else to speak into your life. We are to gather even more so as the day is approaching. So we have to decide, say, Lord, I'm willing to be discipled. You know, in the business world, they have figured this out. They've got mentorship programs, and they come in as a new employee, and you got the new employee orientation, and they got all these things to help onboard somebody. But as a church, we haven't seemed to have figured it out. We're all like, I don't know if I can do that. But in the business world, they got mentors and mentees, and they do meetings, they do all these things, and people grow in their profession. Do we not want to see people grow in the Lord? Absolutely we do. So we can do this. It's not rocket science, the Holy Spirit. The only reason why it works in the business world is because they stole a principle from the Bible. Come on, right? It's the only reason it works. That's the only reason why anything works in the world is because it has a biblical foundation somehow, some way. Okay. Whew. All right. I got more to say, but we're gonna get to number we're gonna get to point number three here. So you have, to be, you have to decide to go find a Timothy. You have to decide, I'm going to find a Paul in my life. And number three, to disciple or to be discipled, any of this stuff is, you got to be honest, 
and you got to be real. Church, you got to... Doug and I could spend four hours together. We could talk sports. We could talk all kinds of things. And we could leave there never discussing, hey, man, what are you really struggling with? What's going on in your marriage right now? You know what? Here's what I'm struggling with. Discipleship can happen with the same person. You can help disciple, and they can help disciple you. It's not like, well, I have to categorize my relationships, and I must have a certain number of Pauls in my life and a certain number of Timothys. You know someone can be both a Paul and a Timothy in your life at the same time. And so, guys, we have this tendency to talk about the weather and talk about cars and talk about this and talk about that, and we talk about everything about what we're actually feeling in here. And women, some of you have the same problem. We're not being honest. We're not being real. We're running around in the outside. Hopefully nobody asks us a tough, difficult question. But when you're in a relationship with someone, you have to decide if you're going to disciple and you're going to be discipled, you have to decide, I'm going to be real, I'm going to be honest about this. We looked at this scripture a couple weeks ago. Worship team, you want to come up? Or Keys said... We said this in James 5.16. Confess your trespasses one to another. That you may be healed. And we talked about how there's a literal release of physical healing in our lives when we begin to be open, to begin to be real, to begin to be honest with one another. God wants you to be honest with him, but he also is asking us to be honest with each other says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So this one to another, this confessing, this relationship, you, that, what it says is not do you just say, here's what's going on in my life, is you're open to receive feedback and to just talk about it and be encouraged about it, and then you pray together. And do you understand the prayer that happens is as powerful as stopping rain for years? You're like, wait a second, that can only happen in a church service. No! It doesn't just happen in a church service. It says it right there. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Look at verse 17. Why would all of a sudden we be talking about Elijah? Because it's an effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, someone who knows Jesus, is praying together with somebody else in a relationship. Here's what happens. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, just a dude, just a gal. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. To me, that says when you are gathering together and discipling one another and you're praying for one another, the power of that prayer, boom! Stopping rain for three and a half years, are you kidding me? Like, that's what I want to be happening in my life. Like, man, I need some prayer. Well, we can only go get prayer on Sunday morning at the, at the altar because they're the, you know, they're the professional prayer people. It doesn't say that. It says confess one to another and then pray for each other, and then the power of God gets released and can stop rain for three and a half years. Like, that's a powerful prayer. How many of you tried that? Right? None of you tried it because it's like, What? Like, this is how amazing it is. So then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced fruit. 
We have to be real. We have to be honest. Sid, you want to come up here for keys? This is going to be difficult for all of us, but it's part of the discipleship process. It's part of being open, part of being real. It's part of how what we see, the future of the church and how it's going to grow. Because everywhere you see the Lord added daily, it was in context of relationship. It wasn't in context. The first 3,000 people got added. But when households were added, where was, where was Peter? He was at their house. When Jesus met with Zacchaeus, where he was on the road. It wasn't in the temple. It was out and about where the people are, where you are. For the majority of the hours of this week, you're not in this building. You're out there. You are the church. We are the church. We are called to make disciples. It's a command, not optional, not a suggestion a command that he calls each and every one of us to go do. And I love it because it's not age dependent. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, God is calling us to make disciples. There's no such thing as retirement in God's kingdom. Can we get an amen to that? There's no such thing as retirement in his kingdom. Just bow your heads this morning. I want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word reveals to us truth and knowledge. We can build our faith as we read it, as we study it. Father, I thank you for chronicling the early church that we could learn and we could see it and we could almost feel it and touch it by the words that are written and be inspired to duplicate it here 2,020-some years after it all started. Lord, give each person in this church the strength to see themselves as both one who disciples and one who needs to be discipled. Lord, that we would see this walk with you as a journey as a marathon, not as a sprint that we get to some destination and we're done. Lord, but that we are constantly walking with you. And we're living out this calling that every single person in this room has to go make disciples. So Lord, I also ask this morning that you would reveal to us in our lives, those who you've placed there for a purpose, for a purpose to reach. Maybe they don't know Jesus at all. Maybe they only know Jesus a little bit and they're struggling. And God has placed you in their life to disciple them. And Lord, I just also ask for each parent here this morning that you would just encourage them with the strength for day in and day out, from the morning to the night, in walking and going and sleeping and everywhere, Lord, that you would encourage them to disciple by your Holy Spirit the children that you have given them. And Lord, I just pray that we would, each of us, would be open and honest and real 
saying that we cannot do this alone and we need someone to come alongside us and that you would reveal those people to us in our life. We thank you for it. Lord, show us our Paul, show us our Timothy. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to close here. We're going to have some prayer teams come up as I read this benediction. I'd ask you just a couple questions. you need prayer in your life at all? I know I was joking about the prayer team up here, but they legit, they will pray for you, and things will happen in your life. So I encourage you to come up here and get prayer. If you need it in any way, shape, or form, I encourage you to come out Wednesday night and pray with us and get prayer if you need it on Wednesday night as we have our worship and prayer night. And I also encourage you to come up for prayer. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never made him the Lord of your life, you've never accepted him as your Savior, or maybe you have in the past and you just have not been walking in that way, come up here and get prayer this morning. God is a restoring God. He is a a redeeming God and a God of redemption. Amen? Amen. So let me read this as we close. Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen and amen.